We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Real quick, before getting into today's episode, I wanted everybody to know whether you're watching the video, whether you're listening to this in podcast form, uh, I have Tone Pucks on and we're recapping the Jacksonville game. And while doing so, roughly around 12 minutes or so into this episode, uh, Tone was making a point and literally at the very end of the sentence, long story short, the wind got so bad here while we recorded this in West Seneca, New York, that the power actually went out. So we had to do some editing. So if you're watching or you're listening again, right around the 12 minute mark or so tone's going to quite literally be barely finishing a sentence. And then you're going to hear a jingle going into our uh, commercial break for the day. And then when we come back, we pick up and everything is fine from there. But anyway, just want to let you know that ahead of time, again, whether you're watching, whether you're listening, that the power temporarily went out and I uh, kind of had to, to make do with a quick edit to be able to uh, present the podcast in its uh, entirety. So just want to let you know that. And on that note, here is today's episode of Talking Buffalo. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo with your host, Patrick Moran. It was a miserable, cold, rainy, windy day in Buffalo on Sunday, and it was also a miserable Sunday morning or Sunday night in London for the Buffalo Bills, and there were many, many fans that were at that game. It felt like a home game. But anyway, a disappointing loss for the Buffalo Bills, but a game where the score might not even end up mattering as much as the long-term ramifications from this game with big injuries. Anyway, welcome to Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I'm Patrick Moran. I'm joined by my buddy Tone Pucks. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, we talked about this game a lot Thursday night at uh, Imperial Pizza, and it just... Um, an ugly loss where the uh, the team looked flat for a half. But again, more important than that was the um, potential, anyway, long-term ramifications, more significant serious injuries for a second straight week, Ben. What's going on? How you feel right now? Like shit. <laughs> um, remember how, like, Thursday night we talked a little bit about how – I, you know, I had a great day and I was excited to come and do the podcast with you and, yeah. and things like that. Like, this is the complete opposite of that. Like, I, I, I would go with, you know, I can't think of any place I'd rather not be <laughs> than right here, right now. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Uh, look, I've gone from, um, 
I've gone from, you know, thoughts of ranting through thoughts of logic and then ultimately landing on complete and, and utter disinterest in what it will be like to talk about this football game. You'll probably, you know, see a good uh, bit of, of all three over the course of the next hour or so. Little, little, little bit of anger, which will be embellished a little bit because at the end of the day, I, 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 there's too many more important things going on. I don't give a fuck. Um, then I'll, 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 you know, I'll talk myself into how to enjoy, you know, what's the, the, the season that still, you know, has, has plenty of time left uh, in it. And then there'll be a, a, a lot of times uh, where you go through things that happen like in this game. And and that'll be the the the, the spots of total disinterest that I that I take in the uh, in the fair. conversation. So a little bit of all three today. I'm uh I'm still processing this for people who are watching or listening. Again, we thank you as always for for tuning in. Whether you're watching this on YouTube, if you are, make sure you hit that subscribe button or check us out on whatever podcasting uh, platform that you listen on. Um, we're recording this around dinner time ish on uh on Sunday. So yeah, man, I'm still, I'm still processing everything. I really don't know how to feel. I'm kind of almost like a, a little bit shell shocked. Not that they lost the game, but again, things that we'll dive into in just a few minutes here, things that to me probably end up meaning a lot more than just the bills getting their second loss uh, of the season because they lost the season. Let's, let's just, let's, let's equate your shell shock to the appropriate response and let's just call out the elephant in the room and not be full of hope and things that your listeners want to hear. You're shell-shocked because today the Buffalo Bills lost their season. But go ahead. Uh, I can't go that far yet. Fuck man. that. You can't go that I far. Can't Why? Because nobody else can? Because, because people don't want to hear that shit? Why don't you be different, man? Go that far. Come on, three weeks ago, we talked about losing Trey White and Matt Milano, and we're going to still talk about going out there and winning a championship. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. Listen, we're going to win some football games over the course of the next few weeks or whatever. We're going to reinstill some hope. All right, maybe have some guys replacement level at best players on this team make some plays to reinstill some hope. But at the end of the day, today ensured one thing. All right, the only parade this year down Delaware Ave will be that stupid one you and all your friends get excited about and wear green for. Okay, that's it. I'm it not, ended I'm, today. I, I'm not ready to go there. Sorry, I, I, I'm much Sorry. more. Was that too much too soon? No, no, no. Was no, that no, too no, much no, too no, soon? You kind of, you kind of prefaced your opening comments by saying you're going to have a combination of uh, of all this. Could be, it, it, things don't look good. Let's just put it that way. That's fair. Um. I still think there's enough talent on this team and, and enough reasons why they could still win. And we're going to get into a lot of specifics with this game today. I, I kind of see that. Yeah, only, only video <laughs> people can see that. Sure you've got that. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I kind of like sort of power ranked uh, reasons why I thought the Bills lost. And we'll, we'll hit on those and, uh, you know, kind of talk about how some of these might be long-term things as well. We'll get to that in, in just a minute. As far as this trip, I got to tell you, man, I, I I put something on Facebook earlier in the week, or actually later in the week. I progressively throughout the week got a little bit jealous that I wasn't in London for the game. Um, there was a time where I, I, I think I wanted to go, and then I quickly said, nah, I'm not going to be able to do that. But then I got jealous as the week went on, and not jealous anymore. Last year, I went to uh, Notre Dame with my friends. First time ever. I'm pretty much at like Notre Dame football for most of my life on various different levels. 
Last year was the first time we ever went to South Bend, or at least I did with a group of friends. And I loved everything about it. Like we hit all the the great spots. We we visited the bookstore, went to the pep rally, just the, the stadium itself. You know, there's just so much beautiful things around there. A couple of well-known bars included. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, the bar where a lot of scenes from Rudy, uh, the film were filmed. So there was a lot of- How about them apples? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, all right, all right. so this was, was last a bar year. scene, though. It was yeah. a bar scene. It was last year's home opener that I went to against Marshall. I love the experience. I love being in Notre Dame until the game started. Then I hated it. I hated everything about it. They lost at home to Marshall last year. Oh, good. To open up the season. Kind of feel like that's how some Bills fans might feel right now about this trip to London. They went overseas. They experienced a lot, saw a lot of beautiful sights and sounds. And then they go to a, a stadium, a new stadium. They go watch the Bills playing, and it was just an ugly game with a lot of, again, potential, long, not potential, definite long-term ramifications. I'm sick of saying potential because there is definitely long-term ramifications from this loss. Anyway, leaving that stadium in a really shitty mood. It's kind of how I was last year when I went to the Notre Dame game. Well, um, it's, it's so wrong. It is. It's wrong, and it probably makes me a bad friend, but... Like, I find joy in the fact that they <laughs> lost to Marshall and you ended up going home like that because you still have the memories of the game themselves. Um, I won't express similar joy, you know, to those out there that uh, um, that suffered a similar fate as you uh, with their Bills trip this year. But um, can, I, can I just be totally honest during the entire course of yeah. that? All I could really think about was the the one time that I burned your Notre Dame hat when I was a Colorado fan and they beat him in like the in like the 90 something Orange Bowl and the bet and, and the bet was the loser you know or the winner would get to burn the loser's hat and nobody thought I was going to do that shit and I took your I took your Notre Dame hat right to like the the <laughs> the toilet it was I, and and I just and I started it on fire man. I forgot that about was, that too you just brought that whole shit they had felt great. That was almost 30 years ago, man. At least 25 years ago for sure. Damn. I forgot about that. <laughs> I love I forgot that about moment. that, man. Huge you know, W in my life. You know, last week too, we did our show. Uh, you're on with me as a guest from uh Imperial Live. And I told the story about the clearing for the NBA draft, and I watched our show back. I did a pretty shitty job of kind of like telling the details. I didn't make it sound as funny because the funniest part of the whole story was just how drunk and, and baked. Everybody was like, we were just partying hard. That was kind of a time in our lives where we partied all the time, man. It was a fun, funny thing to do to declare for the NBA draft after one half season at Duville College. But it's yeah. ironic that you bring that up, though, because there was a part of me that was going to try walk back uh, my comments from from last week that you weren't really thought of as a funny guy because I was like, eh, actually, you know, he was kind of he was always making us laugh. But then, you know, like you just owned up to the fact that you didn't tell that story as well as maybe, you I know, should've. you could have. Right. And now I I'm, I don't want to walk back those comments. <laughs> now I'm like, now I feel vindicated that, you know, you're funny in the moment. You know what I mean? You're, you're you know, you're good. Like, um, you know, just especially, you know, dry humor. Actually, you, you, you go with dry humor sometimes able to poke fun at yourself, that sort of thing. Um, so you do excel in, in, in that case, but, uh, your, your storytelling, your storytelling, your storytelling, um, you know, could use, could use some work. So at least something to be desired for sure. I, I at times, that. I'm, at I'm times, at times, I'm fine with that. But anyway, I, I mean, did, the Notre Dame one you just told that was riveting. 
<laughs> I'm fucking pissed. Dude, I just want to be mean to you for an hour straight. That's really all I want to do right now. My whole point of that was just how much fun the experience of going to South Bend was for the first time, but the actual game just being a complete fucking shit show. And that's kind of what I'm sure Bills fans who made the trip spent a lot of money and planning and time going overseas left that stadium feeling like. And it feels like more than just a loss. And that's the worst part um, about today. I did have fun with you, though, last week in Imperial. And going back and watching it on the video side anyway, I got to pull these up because there were a couple of, I don't want to say photo bombers or video bombers when we were doing our show, which, to be honest with you, and I've done a lot of these. Never happened really before, but this happened twice. And I don't even know if you noticed the first one, but, uh, or the second one here, I'm blowing up on the screen. If you're watching on the video side, that's the dude who came out drunk with the smoke in his hand. And I think he was saying, trying to say, I couldn't understand in the moment, but he was saying, I got takes. I think he was saying something like I got a take or I got takes or something. He was annoying. Like the guy you're probably about to show that was like, you know, flexing yeah. or whatever. That dude was funny. He was just, you know, just a quick photo. Bomb. Yeah, that guy. Just that guy. That guy was funny. The other guy was a little in the business. All right, and he had his like three friends off to the side, kind of snickered. <laughs> Look how funny he is! Yeah, like, like I, I wanted a word with him. I, I wanted. I, I told I you wanted, not to I wanted to add him a little bit. I told you not to engage him. That kind of almost backfired. I've probably been that guy. Then that, that that made you want to engage with him more. But thankfully, he kind of like sort of walked away or was at least off to the side enough where he wasn't really within uh, reach of us talking to him. But yeah, that's the kind of shit you do uh, when you what happens anyway, when you do these. I want to do that. I, I really want to do the security this week. If you I know you, uh, uh, you know, you have a show coming up there and, and, and you know, I'm not going to be a part of it as well. I, I should never be again. Um, but I am, you know, should you ever get especially, you know, if if anyone's watching and sees oh, that it would be funny to do i could do something even funnier i want to be there you know what i mean i want to be there i, I want to you know i want to be able to just you know i may even have like an old uh an old shirt from a uh oh not a joe macy fight someone before macy anyways i worked security one time and i think i may still have a shirt that says security on it and i'll wear that i'll wear that at imperial and just like stand behind you and you know your your more popular guests and just be like, keep fucking moving, buddy. Keep it moving. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. 
The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. All right, we're back. Had to take a, a quick break. Uh, long story short, the power of this weather, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's windy as shit out here in West Seneca anyway, and the power quite literally went out. So anyway, that's what happened. We are back. Um, we're power making the reasons why the Bills lost this football game today, and there's many of them here. So I, I kind of want to dive in with uh, my guest, Tone Pucks. Let's start with the most obvious and then the most significant and the most important, and that's just devastating injuries to the defense matt milano more on him in just a, a second daquan jones um they already were short greg Rizzo coming into this game leonard floyd who had two sacks in this game was playing through an injured ankle he had to come out a couple times kingsley went down a few times Deion dawkins briefly went down but anyway the big two of course to matt milano and uh daquan jones to me this is far more significant in the bills losing uh the fifth game of the regular season overseas is reported already. And you kind of got that idea in the locker room. If you were following on Twitter after the game, Jordan Poyer is already talking about prayers for Milano, just like with Trey White. Um, Sean McDermott didn't confirm anything, but said in the press game that uh, it wasn't good. And then, then not long ago on Sunday, Ian Rappaport um, confirmed that Matt Milano suffered. He broke his leg and is fair to have a knee injury possibly his ACL, and the expectation is that it's season ending. So let's just start there, um, and we can speculate, and we will speculate. He's done. He's done for the season. This is this is an injury that, and I tweeted this during the game, I don't know that they can overcome this injury. I don't. I know you were pretty blunt with your statement here at the top of the show. Um, as close as I will come to agreeing with you is, is this guy going down. I mean, they just lost in back-to-back weeks. In my opinion, two of the most five irreplaceable uh, players on this roster. Uh, last week, Trey, this week, Milano. Milano's top five most irreplaceable player, and he's not five, four, or three either. I think he might be one or two, or two after before or after Josh Allen. Anyway, tough, man. It's just, it's, it's tough. And, and this is what I said, I'm kind of shell-shocked. It's, uh, what a fucking terrible thing to happen. It, it just Well, far be it for me to be the one to, you know, try to, put the show back on track because normally i'm fine with you know wandering from from the uh the subject but you started this with power ranking why the bills lost Mm -hmm. and as much as i agree with everything related to the injuries i'm not gonna put that probably in my top three maybe really of why the bills lost this football game that's the biggest story coming out of this football game all right um i mean that's just again you you know just all you got to do is go back to to what i said at the beginning if in fact if in fact 
that's going to be out there. Because part of me thinks you just didn't like how I was rolling during the first 15 minutes of this show. And you pulled the plug and did one of these, the power, the power. Um, but no, nah, man, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, Elon was, he, you know, he was terrible, but that was, you know, that was going into, uh, we knew that going into the game that, that, that he was pressed into a role. The ones that had to come in for Jones and Milano, I don't think ranks in the top three reasons of why we lost this football game. It's the number one reason why this football team isn't going to reach its ultimate goal this year, but why it lost today. Um, no, the, the defense did enough to overcome those injuries. And I think most people are pointing to the offense today uh, as far as, as the, you know, the side of the ball that, that cost them the most. That's fair. That's fair. Um, we could debate, or we're not even debating, because I could tend to uh, agree with you there. Maybe if these aren't ranked, power ranked one through nine or however many these are. It's, it is a big factor. I mean, look at Daquan Jones on the injury. First series of the game, he gets, he tears his pec. Well, that's the report anyway, the speculation, I should say, at this time. Um, he tears on a third down stop. He made the play. Now, they did play pretty good defense. Um, they, they forced two turnovers. They were they kept the Bills in the game when the offense was just, you know, brain dead for a lot of it, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, they did play well. But still, you have two playmakers out there who maybe the defense gets another turnover or the, you know, a sack or another big play on them. Then maybe they score. Maybe Milano gets a pick six. That's what I'm saying. These are devastating injuries. Maybe – it's not the most important reason why they lost this game. And, and I agree with you. It's more about the long term um, with these guys. Uh, more, and we'll talk about Von Miller in a minute because he did play sort of. And uh, like I said, Greg Rizzo being out with a sore foot was a big deal. But you are right because the defense, despite these injuries, um, they were adequate enough. They weren't great by any means, but they were adequate enough to, to, to overcome it in the offense. Then it just, uh, they just simply didn't do their job. Look, we could spend this whole hour talking about Matt Milano and Daquan Jones. And again, to reiterate, Ian Rappaport says broken leg, likely ACL. Uh, with Daquan Jones, it is a torn pack, and it's going to be a question of if it's a low grade or a high grade. If it's a low grade, he's still missing four to six weeks. It's a high grade surgery, and uh, he's done for the year. So, anyway, devastating injuries. Long-term effect maybe more than this game specifically, but still, those are two of their best players, and you have to think if they're out there, maybe they make a, a couple plays. What about going to London? Because this is where I have number two. I got this ranked really high. The, the Going to London, we talked about this on Thursday. I brought up to you an excellent article that Jay Skursky had wrote for the Buffalo News about how carefully and articulate they were with planning all this stuff out, all the data, sports science, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, man. I'm not the smartest dude. But that looked like a football team that was sleepwalking in the first half, especially on offense. Um, they traveled late. They were, what, 50 hours, I think it was, before they got there before the game. In hindsight now, and again, we have the power of watching a game and then making opinions after a football game, not before it, like we did on Thursday. But now that you have the hindsight of watching this game, that looked like it was a really uh, bad decision to travel as late as they did, right? Yeah, man. Um you know, that's one of the things going into going into the game, even if they had gotten it right, even if they had um now not that necessarily that getting it right means that they did it on Monday instead of Friday, but you know, e even if that wasn't a, a topic of conversation, the you know, when they went, 
uh, but just rather the Jags having been there already. It was an advantage for them. Yeah. And they admitted man. it after the game. Trevor Lawrence talked about it. I don't know if you heard it post I mean, 100% that was going to be an advantage. 100% that was going to be an advantage. Why do you think, and again, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, and that's exactly what we're doing now. But that said, why do you think the Bills did decide? What would, What do you think was the reasoning? Why do you think they waited as long as they did to go to London and as I think about it now, it's like maybe they should have gotten there Monday. No, I mean, and they had because, all these because someone that's paid a fair amount of, of, you know, good chunk of change in the organization told them to. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And I'm not going to go as far as to say that, you know, this person, you know, it just does a terrible job, is terrible at their job. They probably have other um, you know, responsibilities within the sports science department, whatever that might look like but somebody told them to do this and it's they're gonna probably you know have to answer for that in some way shape or form mcdermott didn't sound happy afterwards after the game again i don't know if you caught his presser or not but he was kind of asked about this and then he kind of gave the basic vanilla we're going to evaluate everything like we always do when it comes to these things but you could tell that he was not happy with how things turned out didn't you get a sense early on watching the game like i'm talking early that just something just felt off about this team, especially on offense. Two, three, and outs to start. Um, what did it have? It's like seven punts going into the, this game for the whole season. I think they had four punts maybe in the first half. It just, you could tell early on, this just was not an offense that was uh, in sync. So, uh, had a bad feel, had a bad feel early, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So, that's another reason. Like I said, I, I do think the travel plans in hindsight was, was not well done, I should say. And, Jacksonville knew they had an advantage. They talked about having the advantage after the game, and they kind of uh, they jumped on the Bills early, and the Bills never completely uh, recovered. Another factor I have, and this is not anything necessarily against the Bills, I suppose, but I think Jacksonville's best players played like it. Uh, Calvin Ridley was fantastic. He had seven catches for a buck twenty-two. Christian Kirk six catches for seventy-eight yards. Travis Etienne was probably. Uh, the MVP of this game, I mean, 184 yards from scrimmage, had a touchdown and 30 touches. So again, their skill position players, which we spent some time talking about uh, Thursday night last week at uh, Imperial. I mean, these these guys just stepped up. And look, we're going to talk about Kyrie Elam in, in a couple minutes here because he's obviously going to be on this list. But it wasn't just him. You know, these guys were making plays against other guys on this field. And this is kind of one case where I think you just got to give some credit to Jacksonville because. Star players uh, played like stars for me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think too much about that, but I think, like you said, Thursday night, we talked about the skill players. We talked about them being uh, uh, certainly an AFC South favorite uh, going into the year. And, um, you know, and, and Lawrence belongs in that same um in that same conversation he was very good so yeah the you know the skilled players played like it um and we didn't you know i think we kind of used zay jones as a footnote on thursday and we could almost say hey kind of a footnote today too but damn that was a pretty nice early touchdown too yeah he went up and got that ball um yeah you know they, they have the potential with uh, some money that they spent and some draft capital that they spent uh, at those skill positions and their pass rusher, all those positions that, you know, the grade out, grade you out to being a contender. 
they, um, you know, they're invested in. And when they play like they did today, they, they could be dangerous. But again, I think they played against a, uh, at least inferior one-on-one competition. <laughs> okay. Ridley and Elon was wildly inferior, vastly sure. inferior one-on-one competition. ATN was gaining a lot of yards in that second level. Um, that was undermanned today after the after the Milano injury. So maybe what I what I would do, uh, even though we may have them ranked differently in terms of uh, factors in today's losses, I might take the injuries, uh, um, you know, that you alluded to, and and I kind of said weren't a, a, as big a factor as the Bills' offense. But you can you can apply the performance of the Jags uh skill position players to the you know to the injury factor and kind of piggyback that point uh by saying it's probably a good reason why they were able to get off the way that they were. Yeah, and it is definitely worth saying that it didn't happen during the game. It was before the game, but Christian Benford didn't play. And I think that hurt them because it forced Elam on the field. Yeah, Benford and Rousseau. I mean, you mentioned Rousseau earlier, but geez, we talk about the ones lost in this game and the biggie to Trey last week, the season ender, but we didn't even really talk about Benford and Rousseau. Those are those are big, big um, losses as well. Probably Benford of, of the two ends up being the bigger loss. Uh, because, absolutely. Because, the, you know, the drop-off to the next player, because, you know, Rousseau's injury gave Epinesa a, a bigger role today, and he was pretty damn good. Uh, whereas Benford's injury gave Kyrie Elam a, uh, a, a look today, and he was pretty damn bad. Yeah, you know, I kind of want to stay with this theme while we're at it, so I'm kind of maneuvering a little bit some of these power rankings, because I got it. Listen, Kyrie Elam, just, he, he stinks. He just, he's like, I don't, I'm tired of being, you know, we want him to be good. We do. We want him to be good. He's a first round pick. You don't want him to be a bust. You don't want to call him a bust. You don't want to go that far yet. But look, first four games, there's a reason why he didn't play. And you saw today that there's a reason why he didn't play. And it's just because he's just not that good. And I don't want to hear, and I know there's a lot of apologists out there who are saying, you know, Kellen Ridley does that to a lot of corners. Sure. It wasn't just Ridley, though. He had other, everyone had success against him. I saw a couple of plays. I tweeted about it. It was actually after a good Bills play. I saw back-to-back plays where Jordan Poyer was yelling at Kyrie Lam about something. And you can see it on camera during, during the game. I kind of it caught my eye. Um, I noticed this. And if you want to know how bad he was in a very uh, still winnable game at the end, the fourth quarter, he got benched for Jamarcus Ingram, who was on the practice squad this week. I don't know uh, what you do. At this point, um, Benford, I'm, first of all, I'm not sold on Christian Benford either. I just want to put that out there. I, we talked about it. He's had a couple so-so moments, um, but he's head and shoulders above Kyrie Lam right now. Thought Dane Jackson was okay. And that's what you're going to get from Dane Jackson. Some physicality, a couple plays he makes. He gets beat a little bit. Your low-end, maybe mid-end CB2, I guess, Dane Jackson. But uh, it's easy to say, and I know it sounds like Madden, but Brandon Bean, they got to do something at this position. They have to address it. They need to make a trade. You talked about the season being over with injuries. This is why I can't agree with that yet. 
I think if they do nothing and they lose Matt Milano and Daquan Jones for the season, I think the the season's over. But there's an opportunity to maybe go out there and make it or Trey White too. I should have thrown him in there. That's yeah. kind of what I was getting. That was Trey White more than even as much as Milano. Brandon Bean needs, and I don't know who, but there's definitely teams losing teams right now that got veterans maybe on the last year of the deal. Guys are not going to resign, or you know, you're looking to rebuild, whether it's a corner or linebacker or both. I almost liken it to Brandon Bean to me needs to get into LA Rams all in mode like the Rams did a couple of years ago. They traded for Vaughn Miller, you know, they traded for Odell Beckham. They need to go out and do what they got to do to 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 replenish their talent on this defensive end. They have to. Brandon Bean's got to find a way to make trade or trades. Sarnia Corner. One of my favorite takes of yours of all time. I was thinking about that uh, on, on the porch, you know, my pregame cigarette. Um, you, know, and, you know, and I was thinking about the trade market and, and how I'm somewhat dismissive of it because I, I just don't think Bean's going to do it. He values the draft picks. Uh, you know, so much they talk about the you know just the in-house um, options and the complexity of of learning things. Maybe more so on offense than defense. But I, I just I write it off, and and I was thinking about you uh, putting it out there that way with the Rams. And here I am complimenting you like a, like twenty minutes ago. I was like, eh, I hate when they compliment each other. <laughs> Um, but you were right on, man. Got to, got to. Oddly, the first name that came to mind. I was, I was, I was rooting for a Steeler loss today because I take kind of like what I just said about you know people who know their system and things like that. And one of the first names that came Levi. to mind was yeah, man. Can we, Levi go, can we go back out and grab Levi or something? He's played pretty well too for Pittsburgh, you know. But they win, and you know they're, they're three in, they're, they're in the they're in the mix. Yeah, they're three over, and two Same over there, the and they and you know and they they. Uh, they paid him a few bucks. They're probably not ready to go shipping them back to Buffalo. But here, would you would you trade Kyer Elam straight up for Levi Wallace right yes. now? Yeah, are no you kidding, kidding me? Right? I, mean, I don't right, think right. right? I mean, Kyer Elam's like you know you know how you like day. to when you take a new car you drive it off the lot how you lose that sticker value right away. Kyer Elam's trade value was never going to be more than what it was before today. Well, before the yeah, he yeah. was a mid round pick to the it before been, it, today. It, it now he been, might be a sixth, seventh round pick. Yeah, if you it's, trade it's, him right it's now. awful right now. It's a bad spot for this team. He's and a this fairly rossable guy and this, this particular investment. It's a bad spot um, to be in. And the problem is he he you know he's unplayable. Yeah. So he's no longer he's not your number three, right? I mean, okay, let's say you can live with Dane and uh, Benford and Benford. Um, we're still only five weeks into this season. We might be decimated by injuries. Unfortunately, we might not be done with them. You know, chances are we're not. So I, I, if I have an unplayable third cornerback, maybe, maybe Ingram can step in as, as a third, but you're right. I mean, it's time you, you have to go out there. You've got to find that team, that veteran, that, um, you know, that's willing to part with one. And if it costs you a, a four, three, who fucking cares? Jesus. You got to do it's, it. It's the, the window will close on you this year. The, the window will close on you and a good, good chunk of your original roster. I, we talked about this, I think, in the very first episode that that uh that we did we because we did one like on a sunday night before yeah the jets it was a game, primer right? just primer and I don't, I, it, it, not that the window is closing 
but you're going to see this roster undergo a more significant turnover than it's ever seen before, probably. Especially this offseason. You know, the window's closing on a lot of guys. Poyer, Hyde. um, Maybe Vaughn. I think I think Vaughn still got one more year that would just be it, it would just cost way too much to cut him. Like you have no player. Yeah. Uh but potentially staff more, does staff, staff it, it, you know. Um and if you if you go out there just as undermanned as the cornerback position look today and potentially the linebacker position may look moving forward. It's it's negligent. It's negligent. Yeah, and you talked about last week Brandon Bean earning a game ball after the Miami game. It's uh, like what time, it going, is. It is some week to week shit, though, it, man. It, it really it is. is some week to week. I shit. This they week. have to. That I I do think. Um, and you, we were talking for a few minutes pre-recording. Um, if Daquan Jones is out for a long time, and it certainly looks like that's going to be the case, I could live with Puna Ford. And and you said this before. Um it's going to be a drop-off, but that drop-off might not be all that significant. Puna Ford is a capable defender. I say there's going to be a drop-off for sure, just because of the level that Daquan Jones is playing this year. It's been all pro through the first month of the season. So, uh, but you can't make a trade. You can't go address every single little thing that's out there. Again, that's fantasy land you live in. But when it comes to to corner for and quite possibly linebacker, they got a rookie right now or Tyrell Dodson. One of those two guys are going to be tasked with replacing Matt Milano. It's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. You got to go with Chicago, Arizona, one of these floundering Carolina, one of these floundering teams. And I don't know who the players right now. I, I'll find out this week who potentially could be available. But uh, you got to go pluck somebody uh, or maybe multiple guys from uh, from a roster. You just have to. The season means too much to I not got, do it. Or you do what a lot of people thought might be in the cards before Christian Benford started to, you know, look look the part, although he looked pretty mortal today in a game where he wasn't being, uh, you know, the not protected by Milano in the way that, you know, sure. the defensive line protects linebackers. But, you know, when he had to kind of carry the torch uh, this week and didn't have didn't have Milano and who's just, you know, he's going to be where where the assignment calls for him to be. Point being. Uh, you know, Bernard, I may have just said Benford. Bernard looked um, a, a little pedestrian today. So, lost my train of thought. Got it back. <laughs> what I thought the Bills might be forced to do, and I think others thought they might be forced to do before Bernard got healthy and looked okay, was a little bit more of Taylor Rapp in, yeah. you know, in that, that, three safeties, one linebacker, you know, I don't want, I don't want to say for sure that he'd be, you know, the second nickel backer per se, but at the same time, I don't know, we maybe call it a big dime. Um, but maybe, maybe more Taylor Rapp, maybe if, if, if Dodson and, uh, and Williams is that Dorian, Dorian, yeah, Dorian Williams. Yeah. I mean that guy. He looks. He looks the part. He he's looks athletic. The part. And he then, he just, then he then he just he then he gets to the point of attack and just completely whiffs. I mean, holy cow! He got benched for it yeah. at times during this game, which is another point. But I'm not going to harp on or talk about it much because it's self-explanatory. Tackling was not good again. Travis Etienne broke a shitload of tackles. He's a good running back, but you got to bring him down. Last week during our preview at, at Imperial. I asked you if you were concerned about a letdown, and you said very much so. 
And I kind of told you I wasn't. Do you remember the reason why I said, and we argued about this? I, I'm I'm half wrong. I win. I mean, well, what you know, what did I say was I the reason win. why I wasn't concerned about a letdown? I said because of something specific. I mentioned you did the trenches. I said the bills. Oh, yeah. I said the bills oh, are right. very good in the trenches, and that's yeah. going to allow them to win games that normally they, they wouldn't. I was to half. I I thought the bills were very good on the defensive line again Sunday, yes. but this is why I, I was wrong. Um, the offensive line was shit. Stunk. Yeah, the offensive line sucked. They were they were they were terrible on Sunday. Uh, the Bills had zero success in the running game. Quite literally, Bills running backs, the three running backs combined for just 15 yards on 10 carries, 29 total rushing yards for the Bills, and that includes Josh. That's the lowest of the entire Sean McDermott era. They never have had a worse rushing game than they did in this one. And his four, the 14 team attempts tied for the second fewest under the the Sean McDermott era. James Cook, nine touches today and produced minus one yard. And I got to put this on the, the offensive line. I mean, when the all 22 film comes out and the PFF grades come out, I think we'll find out just how bad, you know, this line was. But even to the naked eye, they just, they weren't blocking. Jacksonville was just beating them. Beating man for man. They were just beating the Bills blocking and there was nowhere to go for the running backs. It was frustrating to be able to not run the football like that, especially when you're struggling throwing the ball early on. I want Ken Dorsey to uh, share some of that blame. Yeah? Yeah, for Why? sure. Elaborate. Well, I mean, look, man. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the effectiveness is the, uh, of the run is going to be based upon just, you know, when they don't see it coming. Um, you know, it's a lot of these runs are, um, you know, have some design to them. You know, they, they whether, you know, that that kind of that, that draw that they run, that delayed draw. Uh, that they run and, and get some some yards and mm-hmm. things like that. I, I I feel as though schematically, um, you know, the run game's success has uh, has shown well for Dorsey. So, you know, when it doesn't, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some back back there too. Because again, when when the running game has had success, I've you know I've given Dorsey credit. Maybe not you know, on the show or whatever, but I, I feel like Dorsey's commitment to it uh, with some, with some help from, from McDermott, I'm sure, but I feel like his commitment to it and his use of the backs, um, you know, has been to his credit. So when it, it doesn't work, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, have him, have him take some accountability for it. You know, it, I put that terribly, but you know where I'm going with sure, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say there's one drive specifically. I don't remember what point of the game it was, but um, where I looked, I remember yelling about Ken Dorsey. It was the Bills stretched the field. It was back-to-back plays. It was a nice throw to Stefan Diggs, and this was after a handful of possessions of doing nothing with the football, but they do a nice pass to Diggs. Then they came back on the next play and threw a nice nine-yard pass to Gabe Davis. It was second and one. Then they ran that pitch play to the outside for to James Cook. And he got snuffed for like a three or four yard loss. Mm-hmm. And then his third down and Josh threw a pass on the flat to Latavius Murray, thinking that hopefully he can make somebody miss. And um, he didn't. Which, by the way, sidebar, that was another thing that happened with the Bills today on Sunday, a low-key kind of uh, factor. They didn't make anybody miss. Like, I don't think the Bills broke any tackles at all. Khalil Shakir on that two-point yeah, conversion. I was not thinking about that one. Yeah, they Who didn't. is not thinking about that one? I mean, what the fuck? Run that play to Deontay Hardy. Yeah, I don't. why are you running that play to Shakir? I mean, maybe you know the fact that it's Shakir and he's not as elusive as Hardy. Maybe you know they're they're not 
sending someone in motion with them or they think that that Shakir is someone who's more likely to get lost in that play mm -hmm. than Hardy. But just in terms of if, in fact, that play is designed to make someone miss one-on-one, -on -one, then it should be run to Deontay Hardy. Those are the little things that should still be pissing people off about Ken Dorsey. Let me tell you a big thing about that should be pissing people off about Ken Dorsey. All right. All we heard was how this deep, you know, how this offense was going to hum with their 11 and a half personnel and their shiny new weapon from the first round of the draft pick. He ain't done shit. No, not shit. Agreed, man. I, I can't disagree. That's something I got. So when it, when, when, when you've got big whiffs like that from the OC, and the running game has, you know, the sort of day that they did today, then I'm going to look at the OC too. I'm going to still look at the OC as a potential problem here for this football team. I'm just not as hung up on it today because so much other shit went, went terrible. Sure. All right. But, you know, three good games, um, two of which were against, you know, bottom feeders in this league, does not a season make when it comes to judging this offense coordinator. He stunk today. Um, I'm kind of going random now instead of power ranking. He's in order at this point because you brought up the tight ends, and that's definitely on my notes too. The tight ends were not a factor yet again, and they haven't been for this season. Dawson Knox, three catches, 17 yards, including a drop on third down on the first series of the game. Again, this guy's just a problem catching the football. He's inconsistent as shit. And Dalton Kincaid, who you spoke of, two catches for 19 yards. So total five catches for just 36 yards from both tight ends combined. Dawson Knox is mid as fuck. All right. Mm -hmm. Great kid. Great hair. I tweeted. That. Love having here. Mid as fuck. I tweeted that today. I used that word mid too. I said he's a handsome dude. The girls are out. Are you serious? I swear to God, I did. <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea, bro. I'm, I'm going to tell you No what. idea. You didn't say I just showed no. you how much you pay attention to my Twitter and all that, but uh, nah, yeah. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really all that into Twitter during the game. No, nah. Do you follow? Are like, are you on social media? You're not on social media much during the game. Um, I'll miss a play or two actually. Like I had to go back and see, uh, how we ended up with with the football. I think maybe maybe the Epinesa, um, strip sack or or one other one like it. Was there another turnover early uh, that wasn't Epinesa? Like maybe a a, a Dodson uh, recovery? Yeah, he recovered or something it. He like recovered that. it. I, I missed that play. I'll use Twitter to kind of go back and 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 see anything I may have I may have missed. Um, I, it makes me sound like such a disengaged fan during the game, which I'm not. I'm just, you know, with kids and everything, you know, sometimes I'm, you know, sometimes I'm peeling an orange and I forget to walk into the living room with the orange. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't I don't want people to think like I'm just looking at a box score and, and coming up with stuff here. But I do miss plays. I do miss plays. And I use Twitter more uh, for that. And, and maybe after a quarter or something to see. Uh, narratives, but I, I don't need anyone to tell me great stop, Taron Johnson, third and two for the Jags. Well, I, that's Thanks. fair. So here's what I actually wrote about Dawson Knox, word for word. I said Dawson Knox not being able to come up with the catch is something we unfortunately hear far too often. I don't care how hot you girls and some of you guys think Dawson Knox is a dude is just straight up mid. <laughs> Literally word for so word. So actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. I did begin to read that tweet, and then it just, and then I, I only made it one sentence. <laughs> it was, it's like, it, it was, a, it, it was a two-part tweet, 
And I only got to the first part. And I mean that too, because I would totally say, yeah, I bit that from you. I seen that shit, you know, you tweeted it. And I Dawson it. Knox is kind of low key because there's so many bigger narratives going on with the team right now. But Dawson Knox low key is starting to look like a, a, a bad contract. And one of those where I looked at, I remember, I don't know the numbers. I didn't look before the show, but I know if the bills were to cut Dawson Knox next year, it wouldn't help them. So it's kind of mm. like they're committed to him financially this year and next. And this 12 personnel through five weeks has just not been effective. It just, it has and the tight ends have not made any kind of significant impact. I still feel good about Dalton Kincaid to the point where I'm good if they just play more three receiver sets and one tight end, but I want that tight end to start being Dalton Kincaid more than I want it to be um, Dawson Knox. So anyway, the tight ends, just not a, uh, a positive factor. Von Miller played um, props to you. You did call that on Thursday. I was not, I did not think he was going to play. He did. Um, not well and not much. He was on a, a pitch count. Sean McDermott said that after the game because in the later part of the game, he didn't even play. He was sitting there, he's sitting there with a ball cap on on the sidelines. Um, he didn't stiff the quarterback. He did. He looked slow and decisive. I, I obviously that's why he came out of the fucking game. Yeah, okay, I, that's why he came out of the game. Don't try to don't don't give me this pitch count bullshit. Okay, if he's on a pitch count, then you stagger that throughout the game so that he ain't putting a hat on in the middle of the third quarter. He's getting to the finish line if he's on a pitch count. Yeah, okay? he came out of the game because he wasn't one of winning a single rep. All right, it's the same thing as well. Kyler Elon just got beat up by great competition in front of him. Yeah, it's concerning. Concerning. it's enormously concerning. It's enormously concerning. It, it belongs right in the conversation with every other injury that has decimated this defense and, frankly, derailed this scene. This team's Super Bowl chances. I would say him playing and Greg Rizzo at first glance and when you hear that it's like oh i'll take that trade but no not based on what i saw today greg rizzo has been more valuable to this team than what we got from vaughn today not shocking dude's coming off an acl's his first action back you gotta hope he's gonna be able to wrap it up they're loaded up, up there today. they're loaded up there and did they overdo it all right did they did did they spend a little too many assets up there instead of fortifying um you know some some depth at the linebacker position in case of an injury, because my God, did we not all say, holy cow, what, what sort of trouble would this team be in with, uh, you know, with an injury to Matt Milano, but yet, you know, we're, we're rolling out nine up front. I mean, I love, I love being able to do that. I do. But did we, did we leave the back end of the defense? Uh, did we leave the cupboards a little bare? by going out there with, you know, the, the investments made up front. I feel like this, I'm a little bit more optimistic with Vaughn. Kind of this was like preseason game to me. Like he just wanted to go out there and get some action. You know what I mean? Um, wasn't effective. I, I get it too. I agree in a, in a sense. If he's on a true pitch count, maybe you kind of stagger that, use that word, and I agree. Maybe he plays only less in the first half so he can play at least some snaps in the second half, especially – What's if the Bills are you know leading and they're going to need a sack? He's your closer, right? <laughs> it's a lie. It was, it was a bold faced lie yeah. to say that he you know had reached the, the. He may have been on a pitch count, but he did not reach it in the third quarter of a one score football game. That's horseshit. Yeah, he just he, he didn't look like Vaughn Miller, man. I don't even know that he got close to the quarterback. Um. Anyway, so that was a factor. Two more things. And this is why I do think injuries to the players during the game do matter more, maybe. Uh, they couldn't stop Jacksonville on third down. Jacksonville was 10 of 17 on third down for the game. And there were a couple drives where the Bills had them pinned inside the 10, and they converted third downs. And they might not have scored on those drives, but they at least got out to the 30, 40-yard line 
and then they would flip the field after punting. One of them was, well, I want to save that for my last point about some officiating and some penalties. But uh, anyway, let's just say for the game, Jacksonville just had way too much success on third down. And this is where I think having Daquan Jones in there for four quarters, he makes a play. Having Matt Milano in there for four quarters, he's going to wrap up on a play where maybe Dorian Williams or Dodson aren't in position or they missed the tackle. That's why I kind of keep going back to the injuries being a factor. But anyway, Jacksonville, they, the Bills couldn't get off the field. Jacksonville dominated the time of possession. So I, I thought that was a pretty big factor. A lot of bend. You know, the Bills will yeah. the Bills will continue to be, actually the Bills will probably have to go back to being the bend but don't break defense that they were the last couple of years under Leslie Frazier because of the fact um, that the injuries have now left them undermanned. I think the, you know, the the defense was set up this year for McDermott to not have to play bend but don't break ball. The, he could be aggressive, mm -hmm. uh, but he could also, if when needed. All right, he could certainly rush four, drop seven, kind of, kind of thing. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. I think we're going to see, um, you know, success on third downs, that sort of thing. I, I think McDermott's probably going to be forced to, uh, even though today, because of some of the injuries up front, he he blitzed quite a bit. He did. Um, I I I kind of feel like he's going to pull back from that um, moving forward. And uh, especially, you know, when, when he has Russo back, if he gets Vaughn to a hundred percent, you know, if he can get home with four, yeah. <laughs> if he get, can get home with four, because the blitzing, um, you know, certainly, certainly didn't work today. Yeah. And, and it, I keep harping on it, but again, Daquan gets to that quarterback. He's he been does. great with pressure. And, and I think Rizzo too, man. We're going to miss that as much as we maybe both think um, stylistically uh, Puna Ford can uh, can hold down the fort uh, of that three tech or one tech, you know, the, the bigger guy. Yeah. Um, I don't think he can rush the passer the way Jones no. the way Jones started this year, and that co and that collapses the pocket, and that that helps a lot. And, and Milano, you know, Milano's a pretty good blitzer. Uh, pretty good blitzer too. So they were trying to dial it up with Taron Johnson and stuff. It's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if if McDermott goes the way of continued, um, you know, pressure and and aggressiveness, or if you know he tries to to take a little bit off of, um, you know the the youth on the back end, the back, you know, on the back seven, um, you know, by dropping more. I uh I went on a profanity, an epic profanity race yes. tirade when Tehran went down. All I right. thought I thought I thought he tore his ACL yeah. for a second. The yeah. way he was. yeah, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, just be Can't twenty minutes of me swearing on the show. Yeah, and then he got back out there. Thank God, because I, I, at that point, I if if they would have lost Johnson for the season two, I I'm on board now. I agree with your take hundred percent. You like, should agree already. They're done. No, I don't agree yet already. Agree. I don't oh, agree. Taron Johnson, that's I only, the one that's going to put you over the top. Yes, yes, okay. but I don't right. agree. I only don't agree because I still think Brandon Bean is going to do something in terms of the trade market to to add to this roster to kind of replenish at least to some extent what they lost instead of just saying next man up Tyrell Dodson and fucking Kyrie Elam. I just think that Brandon Bean's going to do 
uh, more than that. Last point I had about this anyway, a combination of some dumb penalties and also some really shitty officiating. Now you're a ref and you got to you get sensitive about officiating shit. Sometimes fans might, you know, ride the officials too much and they just want to find a reason to blame things. But there were some bad calls this game on both sides of uh, of the ball. Like that Josh Allen sack on, on Josh Allen, that was a bullshit call. If I'm a Jacksonville fan, I'm really pissed off. I mentioned uh, a penalty when it came to the Bills on a third down play out of the Jacksonville end zone. Kevin Ridley kind of bent his body in position and Poyer hit him in the back. He didn't see the ball or anything. Those shouldn't be penalties. I don't know. It just, I thought they were bad calls. But anyway, I hated that one the most. I, you know, yeah, it was a bad call. Like, what is Jordan Poyer supposed to do? I mean, even the TV guys who I thought was shitty, by the way, they were, uh, even they were saying that there's just some terrible calls in this game and over officiating, too. I mean, come on, man. That's, that's how I would define the, it. I hate, I hate when games, that's where I was going to go, kind of get taken over by officiating. It doesn't happen often. You know, it's a controversial call here and there, and that happens a lot, but. Like it felt like the officials were just taking over this game. In the, the fifth, words, in the words of Marv Levy, they were over officious jerks today. Yeah, eleven penalties for hundred nine yards on the Bills. That still is didn't ugly. remotely become a factor in costing us this football well, game. Nineteen penalties accepted, all in all, for over one hundred sixty yards total between both teams. It was a factor. It was definitely a factor. Again, that Poyer penalty, if that's not called. Jacksonville's punting out of the back of their end zone, man. I I think there, it was a factor. Maybe not as much of a factor as some other people think, but uh, it, it was a factor nonetheless anyway. But anyway, those, those are my My things. mom's calling me. Can I grab this real quick? <laughs> no, you can't grab Come this on, real bro. quick. Call your, mom, call your mom after the show. Um, I look back at these things, and I kind of feel like I undersold Jacksonville's best players making plays. I, I think we both did undersell this a little bit because I go back to the last three Buffalo wins. And what did they do more than anything else over these three this three-game winning streak? They took the best players, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Chase Young, um, Tyreek Hill, Chubb, Wilkins, and they made them non-factors in their game. The star players the last three weeks for their opponents were non-factors, where today Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne and, and the other Josh Allen, I say the other Josh Allen, Josh Allen Buffalo has been the other Josh Allen the two times these teams have played because Josh Allen from Jacksonville has been great. But anyway, their star players, I, I just feel like dominated this game. I, I just do. The best receiver on the field was Calvin Ridley, and the best running back on the field was Travis Etienne. And they played like it. And I think I kind of – I feel like we un undersold that a little bit as factors why this team lost. Maybe. Um, you know, as far as whether or not, uh, you know, they were game plan for in the same way that you would a Tyreek Hill – um, I don't know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if the Bills said, you know what, they they have weapons. Um, we're we're not going to necessarily rank their weapons, maybe in the same way that we would, you know, clearly put a a, a Tyreek Hill uh, at the top of the of the pecking order in terms of who we need to stop against Miami. So maybe you're right in in the sense that they simply didn't, uh, you know scheme to 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 stop a guy or two in particular um and if this was just you know a, a shitty loss in london then we could add that to the uh you know to the list of things to talk about as far as um you know the plethora of reasons why they lost but and referees poor schematics all these things you know they they're a footnote to the fact that 
the real story here is this team comes out of London far, far, far less likely to compete for a championship than they went into it. Um, long term, sure. Now that we talked about a lot of these points, you still wouldn't put injuries as a top three reason why they lost this game specifically. Um, I like, yeah, you know what? It'll get me. It'll get me into the top three. I, I still, I'm still going to put it more on the offense than the defense. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm still going to put it more on the preparation. Uh, you Laundry. know, tra travel. You know, I'm gonna, I'm still going to put it on on some of that. Maybe not. Uh, specifically when they chose to fly, but the fact that, you know, that uh, the Jacksonville was already there, that sort of thing. Um, but it does creep into, no, it doesn't creep into my top three. It comes into the, my top three uh, emphatically. When you start to talk about the success that the Jags offense had statistically on, on third down and with some of their skill players, those were a direct result of the injuries. Yeah. And um and and I'm ready to uh to say that they were a bigger factor than I than I gave them credit for today. I think in hindsight, watching this game, my biggest mistake coming into this game was giving the offensive line too much credit because they did not play well today. And I also think I made Christian Benford not playing his small footnote, and I think his presence was was sorely missed today. Um in part because of the job that Kyrie yeah, did, yeah, or did. you're still you're still skeptical on on uh, on Benford, yeah. But now I realize how much the, better the I think the drop off is insane. Look, I mean, I'm I'm. It's an uncomfortable topic again because he's a first round pick and he's only in his second year, and it just sucks to call the guy a bust. But what's going to is the light going to turn on for Kyrie Lum? I just don't see it, man. I don't see it, and I, I don't think it's going to matter because I still think Brandon Bean is going to make a move. Maybe he's going to be a throw-in in part of a, of a trade. I, I don't know. Anyway, bright spots for the game. AJ Epinesa was fantastic, man. Two sacks, um, almost had another interception. Ed Oliver played really well, too. Ed Oliver had nine tackles, a sack, two quarterback hits, and three tackles for a loss. I'm looking forward and hopeful that he's going to be able to continue to play at this level long-term if Daquan is out because Ed Oliver – is easily off to the best start of his uh of his career. And, you know, with AJ Epinesa, I'll say this much. I hated at the time when they being traded Boogie instead of AJ, but 100% B made the right call. AJ Epinesa with more playing time now has been really good this year. Absolutely zero concern across the front four. And that's not to say that I am not, um, you know, worried about, what it's going to look like without Daquan Jones, that there's going to be some sort of drop off there. There is, but man, again, um, one to seven, maybe one to eight. They're just so deep and there's a ton of talent on those edges. We're going to need the, the, <laughs> if Vaughn's healthy, if Vaughn's healthy, there's a ton of talent on those edges. Um, they're legit four deep on the defensive end pass rush if on is healthy. And I'm not talking like, yeah, this is a depth player. They got four good pass rushers. Leonard Floyd's got five and a half sacks this year in five games. AJ Evanes has been great. They're not even the starters if Vaughn's healthy and Greg Rizzo's out there. You know, so I, I they are really strong on the edge. I think they can overcome, and we talked about this a little bit, I, they can overcome Daquan Jones. It's Milano and Trey White that I'm far, far, far more concerned about, especially uh, Matt Milano, Dorian Williams. 
I have him listed as kind of a bright spot only because he was forced in action. He missed some tackles. He got benched. I saw. How do you? <laughs> you can't have a bright spot for a dude who gets benched. Benched he, is benched. He did some. He did some. Ain't a bright spot. He did some nice things. Okay, well, I got Tyrell Dotson. Kind of them two lumped together. I don't like Terrell Dotson as a football player. He did not. I, I've said this. Terrell Bernard did not win the starting job at middle linebacker. Terrell Dotson lost it straight up. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's going to be good going forward if he's got to be the one who's going to start for Mount Lano. I think with some preparation and a full week of knowing he's going to start, I think Dorian Williams will be the starter going forward, not Tyrell Dotson. But uh, they at least somewhat held their own with Matt Milano gone. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, again, not confident about either though going forward. Uh, I want to make that really clear. Um, but you're about to go against Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, and Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield. Don't sleep on Baker. Oh, Fucking plus a thousand. That team was plus a thousand to win the South, and I wait, sat there and waited like an idiot. Yeah. Um, Floyd, I, I have him in my bright spots. He's playing through an injury. I bet the Jags. He went out, huh? I bet the Jags. What about what? I bet the Jets. Did, did you really? Plus plus <laughs> five plus five and a half parlayed with Kyle Bradis to have more strikeouts than Christian Javier in the postseason. <laughs> Halfway there, baby. <laughs> Halfway there, baby. I got Leonard Floyd as a bright spot again. He's playing through an injured ankle, but he still had two sacks. He's got five and a half in five games. Um, I mean, he's on pace for double digit sacks yet again. Uh Gabe Davis played good. Stephon Diggs played great. I know there was a lot of people screaming at the TV when Gabe Davis dropped the pass. It was a, a second and nine. He dropped it, and, and I know fans were losing their mind because it was right in his hands. That was like last year, Gabe. But your boy had six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, getting tough yards, running good routes. Um, I'm good with Gabe Davis. This whole wide receiver two bullshit that we feel like I go through every week with fans. Six catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Don't know what more you want. Stephon Diggs, eight catches for a buck 21 and a touchdown. So that was obviously should a have been spot. two. Hmm? Should have been two touchdowns. Should have been two. Yeah. Josh it's Allen. A big underthrow. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that he was so wide open that I just wanted to make sure I didn't overthrow him. That pass was shit. It I should have been six and we didn't score on the drive. It was the same drive as the Gabe Davis as uh, Gabe's drop. So people will probably remember that. And, you know, I mean, that's obviously an easier uh, uh, rep to make than a 60 yard downfield throw. But I don't give a shit. OK, that should have been a touchdown. The quarterback was mid today. I got really. Yeah. I got to look at the film because on that should have been a touchdown. I agree it was wide open. I mean, anyone could see that on TV. But I feel like at first glance, which of course, because you wouldn't see a fucking replay on NFL Network. It was just garbage, that broadcast. But I feel like early on during the play, Josh had to kind of sidestep and kind of throw almost flat because he had to, he was trying to escape some pressure. Not running, but just having to move laterally before he got rid of the football. Not sure. I could be wrong, but I just, I, when you go back and when you look, all right, see if maybe you're not talking about the pick that he no. underthrow to Diggs. Because I feel like that one, and he said as much in the post game, that one, um, he got he got rushed a little bit on. The one that, you know, was under... Uh, uh, you know, underthrown a little bit, but still completed. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just thought maybe you were confusing the two, but maybe no, you're no, not. no, no, no. That's the play I'm thinking of. I wasn't talking about the which, by the way, it seems like every week now Josh is throwing a third down bomb that ends up basically in a punt because it gets intercepted. I thought he was. I, I thought he was late with that one. It's one another one of the big reasons why I'm going mid, man. Steph looked open. Okay, I, I feel it, like Josh it, was late. It wasn't a great game for Josh, so I mean. I don't care. I, I know I the stats. Like it I mean, it's crazy. I don't care about the stats. They're, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, actually, yeah, they're actually very good. But you can't sit there and talk about, the, you know, the offense's inefficiency as being a big part of, of, of the loss and then think that and, and say that your quarterback was good. I just don't think he was. I thought he, he had a lot of good throws. He only had a couple bad throws. But it is costly because they could have connected for a touchdown for sure with Diggs. And I'm sure he had a couple that he'd like to have back. but. I don't know, man. It wasn't I, – I didn't see a lot of bad throws from Josh. I, I don't think he was the problem on the offense. Like, say, the Jets game, it was Josh Allen. Josh Allen was the problem. This game, I, I think it was more the offensive line, the inability to run the football. Second and third and long, it seemed like every time because they were getting nothing on the ground and they were putting themselves in bad position because of these penalties, which did have – that's why I say they have a factor in the game because it was put in the offense. I'd love to, I'd have to look at the stats out in front of me, but I bet you the Bills had very few, like third and four or less. Like, I bet you the majority of their third downs were six yards or longer because they just weren't moving the ball with any success on first and second down. I, I think that'll probably prove to be true. And, and, you know, as I'm thinking a little bit about my comments about the quarterback just now, I, I'm going to put it like this. If there's any chance of this team competing, uh, for what their prize was coming into this season, they're going to have to outscore teams. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to need Josh Allen to just like be good. I'm, I'm going to need Josh Allen to be one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL week in and week out because we're going to have to outscore motherfuckers, especially in about a month from now. We're about to have a month, well, three weeks where we could potentially. Um, you know, win games with 24 points, okay? Giants, sure. Pats, Bucks. you know, y y you'd like to think that maybe, even even as depleted as the defense is. But, man, once once that, you know, those games, those back-to-backers against uh, uh, KC and Philly, uh, Dallas, uh, I, I mean, you're going to have to score. At Miami gonna, again. At hey, Miami you're, again. You're going to have to score with those teams. And I don't need my quarterback to be okay, all right? I need him to be, you know, game-changing, man. I need him to be game-changing. That's the only prayer this team has of not, you know, being exactly what I ultimately think they're going to be, and that is, you know, a one-and-done in the playoffs. On uh, these next three weeks, you brought that up. Look, the Bills are three and two right now, and they play the Giants at home on Sunday night. They play at New England, who just it looks like they're ready to mail in their season. They look horrific today at home against the Saints. They're one and four. And then you got Tampa on the Thursday night game, prime time again at home. So two of the next three games, prime time at home and at New England, uh mixed in their sandwich in there. It, it'd be inexcusable. To go, I'm see. I'm not where you're at right now, but I will tell you this: if the Bills are not six and two headed into Cincinnati for that Week Nine game, then this season's over. They gotta win these next three oh. games. You gotta win these next three games. Fucking you cannot lose. They will lose one of these next three games. Really? Yes. No way. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't buy it, man. They will. I don't buy it. Th th those are three terrible. Look, I, who are they I, losing I, to? I, look, I'm not going to pick which one right now. The front runners, Tampa, um, but unfortunately, you know. 
I, I just I as much as I am am willing to agree that the next three opponents are not good and we will be seven point favorites against them. Um, and you know, it, you know, I'm not saying we're about to lose two of three, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm saying we're going to lose one of three and we're going to go into Cincy at five and three, and then we're going to be five and four. I, I'd be willing to go through it right now. And I'll tell you why the bills will probably end up like a, second or third wild card by the time all is said and done. They're not winning the division and they're not winning a fucking Super Bowl. So just put that <laughs> out there, you know, put that on the clip or whatever, because that's what today meant. I I'm, I'm just not going to go that far yet, man. I'm, I'm just not. Whatever. Here's how I feel. I agree with you. The bills off Josh Allen has to be MVP level Josh Allen. That that's a hundred percent for sure. And then the other big thing over these next three weeks, besides not losing, which I disagree with you, they ain't losing these next one of these two next three games. They're not losing one of these next three games. It's just not going to happen. But anyway, the other big thing that I need to happen is Vaughn Miller needs to ramp up and be Vaughn Miller that we need because you're going to need Josh Allen to play great and you're going to need your pass rush with your front four to get home. You just, it's got to happen. And you got great edge rushers right now and you need Vaughn to be able to be ramped up. Um, you're, you're not beating Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes in the AFC, or maybe even Justin Herbert in the AFC, if you can't pressure him with your uh, with your front four. It's as simple as that. Last point about this, I really hope the Bills never play in London again. Not just because I don't want to, to get up on a Sunday morning or have to go to London and all this other travel bullshit. I don't want to see another NFL network broadcast with uh, Rich Eisen and, and Kurt Warner in the booth, man. Just, that was a painful broadcast. The audio is fucked up a lot. No replays, limited replays when there were any. It was just terrible across the board. That's one of the worst broadcasts I can remember watching. I love listening to Bill's fans bitch about the broadcast. It was fucking I terrible. Don't care. Look, I, terrible. I mean, look, when I don't it get... affect the game, but it affected my experience of watching the I game. Understand. I, I kept going I to my TVO TVO and having to rewind plays to watch them so I could actually see if it was a penalty or not. Yeah, fucking brutal. I don't. I, I just. I'm. I'm not that invested in it to to do any rewinding. And frankly, half the time my kids are screaming in the background, and I'm just watching what's going on on the TV. Anyways, I get it. You know, a good broadcast is part of a a, a good experience uh, in watching the game. I just. I don't put as much stock into it. And frankly, all right, I didn't even bother. And I have NFL Network, but I didn't even bother changing it to NFL Network because I thought it was hilarious that the Spanish feed was going over oh, the, the retirement yeah. on senior Fox or whatever for like the first uh, half of the first quarter. It, it was, so I, you know, and, and it like Chris Collinsworth too, everybody's always bitching about Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. It's uh, doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but you know, I, I, I get it. I get it. And I'm sorry that it, that it hurt your experience a little bit today. I, before we go, just briefly with the Sabres. And I'm going to have a Joe Yurden is going to be on tomorrow's show. We're going to have a full Buffalo Sabres season preview with Joe. Um, They did make moves over the weekend. We've talked about this plenty, you and I, and Joe and I, whoever. Uh, for now, it's, the Sabres are, looks like, certain, minus a trade or barring a trade over the next couple of days, the, the Sabres are going into the season with three goalies. So that they're going to do this again. I fucking hate it. But the good news is, I thought for sure if they rate, if they wave Stillman, or, or Byro that one or two or both those guys are going to get claimed. Neither did. Um, so both are cleared. 
Both are in Rochester, so no damage done with the move to keep three goalies. I just, I hate it. They got one more move to make still because they're one over the limit. Um, but as Matthew Savoy still on the roster, and I can't imagine him not starting the year on IR just to keep him up in Buffalo. Um, I don't know. Your thoughts? Now, this was speculation, and now it's reality. They're going into the season with three goalies. I hate it. I hate it for the number two goalie. I want my number two goalie to be in a rhythm. I don't, I don't want UPL or Comrie to get a start once every 11 games. I think it's temporary. All right. I think it's, I think it's very temporary. I don't think it's going to play like that for, uh, for much longer than uh, October. Um, but I, I, I'll say this. I, as much as I enjoy the talk about, you know, kind of the, the minutiae of, of the roster, you know, those little things like, you know, third goalie, seventh defenseman versus 13th forward and Zach Benson and all those kind of things. Um, from a broader perspective, if, if you Buffalo bros and babes out there hate my bills take on the Super Bowl being over, you're going to really hate my Sabres take following that that uh, preseason last game performance the other day, because I think there's reason for tremendous concern coming out of that. When the goalie that you're looking to hang your season on lets in seven, every single defensive combination you've tried during the course of preseason has sucked. And you're super excited as we should be. We talked about the excitement, but we're about to roll out Victor Olafson and a rookie 13th overall pick into our into our forward group to start the season. There are fucking holes right now, and you should be worried about them. <laughs> um I think Don Granato said after that Pittsburgh game on Friday that you referenced that Pittsburgh was more of in regular season mode where the Sabres were still kind of like in preseason mode. Uh, I'm not worried about Devin Levi giving up seven goals. I will tell you one thing, and you brought up the defensive combinations of all suck. I've talked to a couple like actual hockey people that are like, you know, really you actual high. Is if to say I'm not an actual You're not hockey locked person. in. You're a hockey no, I'm guy. Not You're not, I'm, not, I'm not even remotely close. No, but a couple locked in people are that really was, following that, the Sabres. And you know what they've all said? Clifton has not looked good early. And you start to wonder, you know, like maybe there's a reason why Boston didn't want to resign him. Or maybe there's a reason why he was a healthy scratch down the stretch for some with Boston last year. I know we got high expectations and hopes. Um, Joe Yernis talked about how fans are going to love the guy, the way he plays a physical game. The, you know, the fans are going to quickly like the guy, but I don't know, man. I, I've heard not good things during this preseason. What, what are you smiling for, man? Kyrie Clifton. <laughs> somebody. Kyrie Clifton, baby. Make the jersey right now. Somebody compared Kyrie Elam to Chris Graddon. No, it wasn't Kyrie Elam. Fuck, I can't remember who it was. Remember Chris Graden, a former Saber? Hell yeah. He talked about he had all the physical attributes to be great, sure. but just never put it together. Did not. That's that's Kyrie Lum. That's what somebody, that's a pretty good comparison, man. At least Gratton got on the ice and didn't shit himself the first opportunity that he got. All right. <laughs> Kyrie Lum is, I mean, what a disaster of a day. Yeah. What was. a disaster of a day. It was a disaster of the day all around. A disaster in this city. Can I complain about his postseason or his his uh postgame comments? Oh. Kyrie Lums. I well, go ahead. Well, I just, you know, he, he said, and I understand he's probably hurting, man. All right. And I, I and I don't poke fun at people's 
faith. All right. I may not be a man of faith, but I, you know what I mean? But don't invoke God after you just played a shitty football game. Okay. I mean, God has a plan for you because you just fucking let up 10 receptions for 120 yards. You know who I need to have a fucking plan for Kyrie Elam? It's not God. It's Brandon Bean, okay? I, I'm sorry. It just rubbed me the wrong way. And Again, again, I don't poke fun at anybody's face, all right? I, I understand. But don't, you know, I had no use for, for his post-game comments. Just own up to playing a shitty fucking football game already. So before we go, I'm going to give you one opportunity to either further cement what you've been saying a lot during this podcast or maybe walk it back to some extent anyway and knowing you like i have for well over half your life you are very uh as am i i i think you're a knee-jerk reactor um a bit of a hothead at times so i, I sit here and ask you on this podcast you confidently can sit here and say today that you genuinely feel like the Bills Super Bowl legitimate, realistic Super Bowl aspirations came to an end with this loss today. Yeah, I'm not walking that back. No? No chance. Not there, man. I'm not there because I believe that Brandon Bean's going to do something. I will say that's the only thing because I don't think Matt Milano's replaceable just like Trey White's not. I just, I need to get to the trade deadline. They're playing three chump teams and I'm pretty sure the trade deadline will be coming up by then too. Can I reserve the right though to jump back? On the bandwagon if, if I something? want. No, I mean, because nothing. Oh, I mean, you want to talk about getting underneath my skin. It's the people out there that are like, well, if you don't stay with them now. All right. when they Don't go jumping back on the bandwagon when they're this or that. I'll jump back on the fucking bandwagon whenever I want. Okay. That's what a childhood of investing in a washed up Vince Ferragamo, Matt Kofler, and Joe fucking Dufek affords you. Okay. I can jump on and off the bandwagon whenever I feel like it. But right now I'm off. They ain't winning shit. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. For Tone Fox, Fabaran, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'll be back. Sabres season preview with Joe Yurden tomorrow. Talk to you then. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.